Our New Testament scripture reading is from Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 through chapter 4, verse 7. In the uh, New Testament section, that is page 189. Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 23. Hear the word of God. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to the uh, disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave nor free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. My point is this. Heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves, though they are the owners of all the property. But they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us. While we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, it's been another busy week, hasn't it? I just, I don't even want to turn the news on anymore. Um, do I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> it's just crazy. And uh, most importantly, um, the solar eclipse. It's all you hear about and what not to do, and what to do, and if you're in the right spot or in the wrong spot, and the poor people who uh, live in small towns along the pathway are going to be inundated with people who want to come and stare up at the sky. It's just crazy. Uh, I um, posted on Facebook <laughs> a, a joke that somebody else had written, and I kind of thought it was funny. It was a prayer. God, if you really want us to impeach Trump, do something fantastic, like blot out the sun or something. Um, I thought it was funny. Anyway. And um, so anyway, all summer we've been talking about families and we've been talking about the importance of families. And I believe in my heart of hearts that um, God has created and instituted families um, from the very start. A man and a woman, his husband and wife. Children were born. They were in a family unit and uh, were protected under that. And um, 
I know for some people it's been tough because when they look at their own families and their families of origin and their families of history, they've kind of said, well, gosh, Lance, when you describe what God's purpose and plan for families is, I did not experience that. And um, even maybe you look at your families today and think, gosh, I am not experiencing that and I'm not living up to what God wants for me and my family. I'm doing the best I can, but doggone it, I'm just tired. And so let me just say, um, as my sister and I always used to say, uh, we want to put the fun back in dysfunctional. So just accept that and understand that there's no perfect family, we're all struggling. But with that in mind, um, God established the church. God built the church. Jesus builds the church. He calls the church into being and builds it. And so that's why we're here. I mean, think about the many metaphors of the church, right? That we're sheep, that we're the body of Christ, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we're also family, right? We're family. We look around and we say, ah, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I love this passage in Galatians that I just read. Paul is telling the church in Galatians that there is no longer any hierarchy. There's no longer any societal stepladder. Where do you fit in? Paul says you fit in right with everybody else. Everything is equal. Ethnically, socioeconomically, and sexually, we're all equal now. Divisions of race, socioeconomics, Divisions of gender no longer apply. We're all level when we come into the church. And Paul didn't just write this to the Galatians. He wrote it to the Colossians. He said similar things to the Ephesians and Corinthians. It was a theme, primarily because these guys named, well, Paul called them the Judaizers, came into churches and said, well, you have to go through all these hoops in order to really be a Christian because Christianity came out of Judaism. And so you have to do all these things. And primarily they wanted the men to get circumcised. And, you know, I, want, I think we should sacrifice to be, come to the Lord, but maybe that's a little too much to ask an adult male to do. I don't know. Do I hear an amen from the adult males? <laughs> so that's kind of tough. And so Paul's saying, no, there's no longer any distinction in Christ. Jews and Gentiles come with no distinctions. Blacks and whites come into the church with no distinctions. That's why, to me, white supremacy groups are repugnant. Because they stand against the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no longer distinctions. Citizens and immigrants come with no distinctions. Wealthy people and poor people come into the church with no distinctions. Homeowners and homeless come with no distinctions. Male and female come with no distinctions. Now, salvation doesn't eliminate the distinctions that are out here in the world, but it prepares us for heaven. It prepares us to stand in the presence of God and to kneel before the throne with sisters and brothers from other countries, from other ethnicities, from other stations in life, different genders. In heaven, racial divisions and national barriers, economic distinctions, sexual discriminations, all other barriers will cease. 
So the church is supposed to be a little flavor of that before we get to heaven, right? And if we pray, thy kingdom come, I've said it many times, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, wait, on earth as it is in heaven, <laughs> then we should be thinking, what does heaven look like and try to establish it here in the church because the church is supposed to be a foreshadowing of what heaven will be like. Now, unfortunately, when I look at our translation of Ephesians that I, or I'm sorry, of Galatians that I just read, it's not a good translation. I, I want to hear a gasp. Ready? It's not a good translation. <gasps> what? It says in this translation that we are all children of God. But the Greek word there is huios which is translated sons. Sounds like Spanish, doesn't it? Hijo, huijas. It means sons. Now, I know that the editors of the NRSV were saying, we need to be more inclusive. We don't need to be exclusive and say it's just sons. We need to say children. But here's the thing. Paul's talking about heirs, and he's talking about inheritance. And in the first century, who got the inheritance? The sons. All the way back to Numbers, it talks about it in Numbers. If a man dies, his inheritance goes to his son. If there are no sons, then it goes to the daughter. So what Paul is saying is, there's no more distinctions. You're all sons, not just children, but sons. Because if he said children, they'd say, okay, I'm still a child, but the guys are just one step above me in the inheritance, heirs. But Paul says, no, it doesn't matter if you're a male or female. You're all sons in the inheritance status. You're all at the same level. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. You're all sons. You are in the same level of inheritance. That's powerful stuff. Sometimes I think in our attempt to be inclusive, we take away teaching moments. And to me, that teaches me that I'm right at the top. I'm an heir of God. We're not just children, but we're sons. Out there, you may be a foreigner, but in here, you're a son. Out there, you may be homeless, but in here, you have a home. You have an inheritance. You are a son. Out there you may be a daughter, but in here, you're a son. Okay? Out there you may be an orphan, but in here, you are a son. You are an heir, a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Now, the New Testament talks a lot about adoption, and this passage itself talks about adoption. We are adopted into God's family. Um, and that's wonderful because non-Jews... You know, the chosen people are now adopted into this new family of God. Those who have come to faith in and through Jesus Christ are adopted into the family of God. Jesus calls them brothers and sisters and confers on, confers on them the power and dignity of sons. By nature, we're all heirs of sin and guilt. We're children of corruption. But by grace, God is not ashamed to call us children. By grace, God is not ashamed to have us call him father. 
even Abba. I've said it before, but I loved my Greek professor at seminary. He used to say, what is the most infantile sound a child can make? Abba, 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 Abba. And that's where we get the idea of Abba. It is the most famil familiar way to speak of Father in the Greek language, Abba. So we do not say that there are divisions of race or social status or gender. We welcome everyone. We do not say that people don't belong. We say you do belong. How much does God love us? Well, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place so that we might be called sons. We're family. And like family, we bear a striking resemblance to each other. Now, you might say, Kamala, stand up. Kamala's my sister. Carl, stand up. Carl's my brother. Orlando, stand up. Orlando's my brother. Um, Anthony, stand up. Anthony's my brother. You see the family resemblance? <laughs> well, we may not have the same color of skin. We might not have the same shape of eyes. We may not have the same bone structure, but we're family, and the family resemblance is what? Spirit of God, right? You can sit down now. Have I thoroughly... Well, I woke you up, that's all. I just <laughs> called on the people whose eyes were drooping a little bit. I remember when I was in Germany and uh, traveling one time on the train, and, and uh, there's this lovely older couple in the train. And we tried to talk to each other, but I, only, I was 19, I only knew two words in German. Fish. Pretty smart, huh? And can you guess the second one? Beer. Beer. Because when you're 19 and in Germany, you say that word a lot. So, but what was interesting was I could tell they were Christians. I could just tell. They had the Spirit of God shining in them. There was that family resemblance. And I loved that. And I'll never forget them. And 19, I was 19, that was a few years ago like maybe 10 or something. Um, now, I had no idea that this was going to happen, um, but to have Wayne read that passage from Isaiah when his daughter is sitting in the back row with a little infant, and he has to read that passage. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Sorry, Wayne, I had no idea. Did you get a little choked up when you read that? I would have. I started to get choked up. How much does God love us? Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? I mean, think about moms with their children. They're a little nuts because they're so protective. They love them so much. God goes on to say, even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Don't you love that God uses female imagery here? Because men can be a little grumpy. And we can go, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm done with the kid. Moms never do that. They hold on forever. And so God is using female imagery to say, my love is beyond what you would normally expect. And then that line, 
It's in the hymn of I love the, thy kingdom, Lord. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Written 400 years before Jesus was crucified, I have written you on the palms of my hands. You are on the palms of Jesus' hands because he was crucified for you. Why? Because he wanted you in his family. You belong to God. You belong to God's family. Before leaving this earth, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Again, naturally, by nature, we are children of sin and guilt. We are slaves to sin and guilt. But through Christ, we are transformed into children. We belong. Jack and Tricia Frost, yes, his name is Jack Frost. It, it's amazing. Uh, wrote a book together titled uh, Spiritual Slavery to Sonship. I want to read a passage from the conclusion of that book. As long as I tried to build my identity and ministry through orphan thinking, I felt like the angry older brother slaving in the fields and thought that the father had never given me anything to be merry. That's the older brother in the uh, parable of the prodigal son, right? I saw little lasting fruit and was left in a state of agitated resistance against authority and in disappointment and frustration. But as I began to sow into my inheritance by getting underneath and blessing others and earnestly seeking to be faithful with that which was another's, I began to receive the promises of God for my life, family, and ministry. Now listen to this. Don't keep on living as an orphan in constant frust frustration, agitation, and fear. No love, no trust, no home, and no influence. What would your life be like if you had no fear? It would be like the life of Jesus, of whom the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Surrender your orphan heart for a heart of sonship. Enter the embrace of the Father who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Hold close your identity as a son or a daughter of the Father. Your inheritance is waiting for you. Don't let orphan thinking deny you what is rightfully yours as a fellow heir of Jesus Christ. Be subject to the Father's mission and experience life and peace, allowing him to bring you into fruitfulness your family and the nations are waiting for you to enter into your inheritance. So I want you, on the count of three, to say, I am a son of God. Ready? One, two, three. I am a son of God. And on the count of three, I want you to say, I belong. One, two, three. I belong. I want you to believe it. I'm going to invite Scott to come forward. Scott spoke at our session meeting last Sunday and shared um, some of his story. We, every time the session meets, we invite a different elder to kind of talk about how God's working in their lives. And Scott spoke, and I was deeply moved, so I've invited him to speak. So, uh, first of all, I very, very rarely share anything with anyone. Ask my wife, that's a source of tension even at times. And so um, I, I, was, I was 
uncomfortable sharing this, even in that small of a group. Uh, I speak in front of big crowds all the time, no problem, but I'm actually, this is like the most nervous I've ever been speaking in front of people. But uh, I'm also sometimes skeptical when I hear somebody say, oh, God told me to do this, or God's doing this, God's doing that, because how can you be that certain? That level of certainty always makes me uncomfortable. But uh, in the midst of this sermon series, um, I've been going through something myself. Uh, at the beginning of the summer, I got a call from a cousin who I hadn't um, seen, seen, heard from, talked to in, uh, since I was 10, so 20-something years. I don't know. I, not, I can't do math with shoes on. But, um, but she told me, I thought you'd want to know your dad died. And... Um, and that just was weird. I mean, I, I hadn't thought about the guy. I, I didn't know him really. I, he was uh, in and out of my life briefly for the first 10 years. Um, but, but from 10 on, I never, never had any real contact with him. A couple of, uh, uh, a message on MySpace, which tells you it was a while. And then again, a message on Facebook, which went un, unanswered um, by him. And so I, I didn't know how to feel. I, I was just at a loss. And um, it's, there's, there's weird mixed emotions surrounding it. But in the midst of all that, I was reminded of another time in my life when I went through um, just difficulty with dealing with family of origin issues. And uh, I, was, uh, I used to lead worship um, at a couple different churches. And, things like that, and, and during that time, there was this song that um, really resonated with me, and it was, uh, it was called Orphan Song, and see, in the church that I grew up in, they constantly talked about, um, it, was, it was a really nice church with really nice people who all had perfect t house and 2.5 kids and all that, you know, mother, father, you know, nice and right, good Christians, and they always talked about how you could understand your God by looking at your relationship with your dad. That just didn't, didn't, that was horrifying to think that that was who God was. And, and so I heard this song and it, it really, like, you know, it made me emotional the first time I heard it. And I started playing it whenever I led worship and um, it, uh, it just really connected for me and it helped me understand that even though I didn't have that relationship with uh, my father, that didn't mean that my relationship with God looked like that. It, it really meant that I was, I, I was lucky to say that God is my father, and I've got that direct kind of orphan story of having the adoptive father who's um, better than, than obviously my dad ever, ever was. And so uh, the, the lyrics just kind of, just I'll, I'll start reading them, but then I think Lance is actually going to play the song. But it says, Will you hold me in your arms as I rest on your knee? Won't you tell me my favorite story? I was an orphan, and you adopted me. Just, so, just listen to the song and sing along if you're... Your bulletins, if you want to join me as we go, that would be great. Will you hold me in your arms as I rest on won't you tell me my favorite story? I was an orphan, you adopted me. As 
I listen to your voice, the blessings surround me. I know I'm yours, I'm so glad you found me. I was an orphan, you adopted me. Won't you stay? 